Welcome to Running on Ice, the coolest community break. I'm your host, Mary O'Connell, bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, and everything happening in the cold chain world. Not only is there the coolest show and treat, but there's also the new Running on Ice, the newsletter that could not be colder. You can subscribe to that at freightwaves.com slash running on ice. Before we get into our guest interview, let's get into some headlines. Tower Cold Chain, a leading provider of temperature-controlled solutions, has been awarded the prestigious silver medal from Ecovatus in recognition of the continuing action made by the company towards its sustainability credentials. Improving on the bronze medal received in 2021, the new award puts the cold chain shipping provider in the top 25% of the 100,000-plus companies assessed. In fact, with a score of 63, just four off gold, Tower places 80, in the 86th percentile of rated companies. According to HTF Market Intelligence, the global frozen food market is to witness a compound annual growth rate of 5.3% during the forecast period of 2023 to 2028. The frozen food market size is estimated to increase by $113 U.S. billion. This report includes historic market data from 2017 to 2022. Currently, the market value is pegged at about $291 billion U.S. dollars. The frozen food market indicate includes various types of food products that are stored at low temperatures to preserve their quality and freshness. These products can be cooked raw or cooked, and many include fruits, vegetables, meat, seafood, baked goods, and prepared meats. Makers of private label goods from groceries to paper towels got knocked down by the pandemic and subsequent recovery. Now they are getting back in the game. In its earliest stages, the COVID-19 pandemic was said to have driven a shift to trusted brands among lockdown households. But the bigger issue was brand availability, as disruptions to the supply chain that lasted years proved especially punishing for private label manufacturers. Now, though, these trends are reversing. Consumers feeling the increasingly pinched by inflation are starting to trade down to store-bought brands again, and the makers of those goods are finally getting back to the pre-pandemic efficiency levels. Today, we welcome back Royce Neubauer, founder and CEO of SFL Companies. Welcome back to the show, Royce. Thanks for having me back. Glad to be here. Uh, I think you just couldn't get enough of us. You had to come back and hang out with us again, which honestly, I'll take. I had to pick your brain and see how much you learned at your FreightWaves conference last week. I mean, there was lots of content there. Not a lot in the temperature controlled space, but we'll work on changing that. Um, so I guess let's just jive, jump right in today. This is kind of a, um, a, a marriage or a bringing together of two things that I like. It's the temperature controlled world, world and the 3PL and freight broker world. Um, because as we all know, that's, that, that's, that's my original bread and butter, but, um, ultimately kind of what you kind of touched on a little bit last time, but what ultimately made you kind of, um, begin SFL and then not only that, but focus so heavily on temperature controlled freight. Was it just your background um, or was, you know, cold chain just more profitable than maybe flatbed or drive in? Um, I'll start with the first part. Um, I had a great career where I was at, um, as, as mentioned before, I started at TQL years ago. Um, we were a small mom and pop and when I left, it was very corporate company really grew very quickly, very rapidly. It was no longer the sweet mom and pop that it started. It was no longer the sweet mom and pop, but it, I mean, the ownership did a great job there. They knew what they were doing and knew what they wanted. Um, I just wanted something different. Maybe I just don't fit into corporate America so much. Um, but I also wanted to create something. I think it's always been 
something inside me. I didn't really know I had that until I got involved in logistics and supply chain. Um, I never took a business class in college. I never planned on being an entrepreneur. Uh, it just kind of evolved over time. But I think the, the mindset behind creating something and being able to give back and, and build and help people build their careers um, was just inside me. And it's when I started SFO, I had no idea how to run a business. I knew how to broker freight. Um, and that'll kind of lean into the second part of the question. So the cold chain for me just simply made sense when we launched. It was a big part of my background. Um, I used to teach a produce class at TQL years ago. I knew the industry inside and out. I studied it. Um, but from a broker's perspective, if you can specialize in something that's considered difficult and challenging, I think it kind of gives you a step up against your competition. But the beauty of produce in general, not just cold chain, but produce, is it's constantly moving around the country, around the globe, depending on seasonality, uh, depending on different climate impacts. Um, you, know, you could have a freeze in an area that's caused product to go bad and you have to import it rather than ship it domestically. So it's constantly moving, which allows brokers the flexibility, I think, to have a better chance at an asset-based carrier because we're not tied to a specific asset. We're tied to partnerships nationally or internationally. Um, so when we launched or when I launched, um, I focused on what I called low-hanging fruit. Seasonal customers that were all around the country that could not tie themselves to assets, they were tied to brokers. Um, so when I went after those relationships that I had previously had, um, after sitting at my non-compete, um, I discovered real quickly that I had built some strong relationships. Um, and that just comes down to, you know, the ambition we had building out those relationships over time, the integrity and the service that my team had provided them. I found quickly that those customers were, were more attached to me as an individual than my previous business, right? Um, which, which was a great feeling as a broker, but it's also something that I had to build out at SFL to make sure that our, our shippers and our carriers are more tied to SFL than the individual, right? So what are we doing as a company to build that relationship? And I think it starts with our core values, uh, that's kind of built into who we are as a company, um, from our carriers all the way to our customers. If they don't fit into this core value set, we're probably not going to work. Um, I've fired customers before, I've fired carriers before because they don't have high integrity or want exceptional service or want teamwork or relationships, then we're probably not going to be a good fit. Um, but in the end, you know, the cold chain, I think it's an exceptional opportunity for brokers because of the, the movement of the, of the products that are being shipped. It's not a static lane, like a steel part that you're making for automotive, say, that's going to constantly be manufactured at the same location for the next decade. That's, I think it's very difficult for a broker to break into that space because SFS could just tie themselves to that for the next 10 years. Um, where produce on the other hand is constantly changing and evolving and it, it gives us the flexibility with our partnerships nationally to really thrive and grow. I like that the produce is kind of, um, it's like a hurry up and wait kind of thing. It's like, we know it's going to go, probably the second week of May, maybe the third, but we just kind of have to wait and see. And then it's literally like, hurry up, get everything in order. And then it's like, okay, now we just wait for that phone call. 
So we're constantly monitoring and watching growing regions around the country and watching weather patterns. Uh, the flooding in California this past winter was very concerning. Um, it has caused a limitation of certain crops. Um, the freeze in, in Texas a couple of years ago that destroyed millions of pounds of citrus and, and green veg, um, it affects us, right? So we're monitoring where these regions are and how they're shifting. And it is a hurry up and wait because our shippers will plan things out. We'll forecast everything out. We'll get pricing in order. We'll start lining up carriers. And all of a sudden, boom, something happens. And the harvest moves another week or two weeks. Um, or sometimes it comes quicker than expected. So, you know, it is it is that understanding of, of the industry that I think kind of sets us all apart in our brokers because our team really does take responsibility for understanding where those regions are. And they're professional about understanding, you know, the types of commodities coming out of certain regions, when those harvests are going to hit. Um, for example, the Midwest is a big region for us. With us being based here in Michigan, we ship a lot of product in and out of Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Iowa, Illinois. Um, and our team is already ramping up for that push coming up in, you know, mid to late July through August, September, October. So, you know, it's, it's fun kind of seeing our guys and team work together to move assets, move carrier partners to certain regions so we can keep loading the same trucks. Um, but it's all about that teamwork and that communication and helping our shippers understand, you know, that we're in this with them. You know, we're an extension of their team as well. And our carrier partners are the same way. You know, we're, we're working for them every single day to give them opportunities to help them grow their business. I like that. I, uh, as a as Midwesterner, I uh, that has a somewhat background in agriculture, I'll drive down the road and I'm like, "Ooh, corn's not quite there yet," or "Oh," or if I see the humidity or the dew point being too high in the morning, I'm like, "Oh, not a good day to get beans. Not a good day to get beans." I used to live and die by the morning dew report on is it, if it's a good day to harvest beans or not. It's funny you say that because. As I drive through Michigan, and I'm actually going to drive to Toronto this afternoon, I'm always looking at fields. It's just been, I used to drive back and forth from Cincinnati, where, where I'm from, the northern Kentucky area, to Michigan um, quite a bit, where my wife's from, and constantly staring at fields. And the whole the whole drive up, I would have my wife write down MC numbers of refrigerated so we drove past. So I knew that this this is their route, right? So if I had any product, we're calling those carriers that we're passing. So what's that's in you, the, the agriculture side and, and the logistics side, it's it, right? I was in California a couple of weeks ago, the first time I'd been there in a while, um, driving through the Salinas Valley, just looking at the crops, looking at the harvest. You know, it's just, it's amazing, especially when you get out there, because as far as the eye can see is fields, fields upon fields. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like it. It's a it's a special brand of person that gets really into the fields. Yeah, my mother in law always asks me about different crops. Why is lettuce this expensive this week? Or she'll just call me out and ask me about tomatoes, and my wife gets annoyed with it. But it, I just start talking because it's something I love. It's a weird thing about me, but it, I enjoy. it. I absolutely love that. Um, so next week when I go to the grocery store and lettuce is a little bit more expensive, I'm going to be calling you. Okay, we'll get you. We'll, we'll get to the answers. Moving away from the price of lettuce, um, so I guess when it comes to, because um, you guys are unique in the ability that you are really good at temperature controlled freight and that's your specialty, you know, you guys are like, it's your thing. 
Um, so like, I'm not going to come to you if I need to move a flatbed full of roofing shingles. You guys are going to be like, nah, nah, we're good. We're really good. Um, but when it comes for a shipper to kind of, if I'm a temperature controlled shipper and I need to move produce or, you know, if I'm looking to maybe outsource some of my logistics or I manage transportation to a 3PL, what are some of those benefits and um, what are some of those key characteristics I should be looking for in a um, in a partner to work with me to, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, protect my. 100%. Um, we can move those shingles, by the way. We we do have some, some guys that have diversified their portfolios, but I think the biggest benefit of using a 3PO is that flexibility, right? So I've owned a trucking company and I was responsible for those assets, whether they were moving every day or not, that bill had to be paid. Well, that lease payment had to be paid. Repairs had to be paid. My drivers had to be paid. So being tied to those assets kind of makes you very rigid in what you're trying to accomplish there. And once you get a contracted lane and that, that truck's moving every single day, it's, it's good. But if something happens to that contract, how do you keep that truck moving? Right. Um, for a shipper, I think the benefit of working with the 3PL is, is it's, there's multiple facets, but the flexibility that a good 3PL is not tied to a specific asset. So if your shipment changes, if the time changes, the day changes, the region changes, a good 3PL is going to have the flexibility to transition with you, make that change on the fly with you, and, and still get your product picked up from point A and deliver from point A to point B. Uh, another advantage is the financial advantage. Um, we work with large scale shippers that are going to pay us in 30 days, sometimes 60 days. One of our partners just adjusted to 90 days. Um, not a big deal, but it is what it is. Most trucking companies can't wait that long to get paid. So a good 3PL is going to have the financing and the back end to pay carriers much quicker and be able to partner with carriers that a lot of shippers aren't going to be able to partner with just because the carrier can't float that capital. Um, so it's going to give our shippers a breadth of carriers that they normally wouldn't be able to work with because we have that ability to float that capital for them. Um, and at the same time, if I'm a shipper that's buying and selling and trading produce or, or baked goods or frozen food, my job is to buy and sell those goods. My job isn't to manage freight. My job isn't to procure carriers. My job isn't to monitor insurance. That's what we do as a 3PL. That's what we specialize in. So I think you know, if you're buying produce, you need to find good farmers and find good partners that you're going to buy the best produce at the best price. At the same time, you need to partner with the best three PLs in the industry that allow you to procure the best trucks at the best rate, at the best service levels that you can find. And that's what we do. That's what we specialize in. I don't know how to buy and sell produce and I'm never going to act like I do. I do know how to procure carriers, monitor those carriers and make sure that we're providing top-notch service for that shipping need that our customers have. I like it. You're the, you're the guy that can get produce anywhere you want it to go. Um, but just don't ask you to like, just don't drop you off at a farmer and say, go buy a field of lettuce. <laughs> Not at all. I'll film this. I actually don't know if you, I would assume you buy it by the field. I don't know anything about buying produce, produce either, but to those who do it, congratulations. You're doing, you're doing, you're doing the good stuff out there. Well, I want to get stuff. Um, so I guess when it comes to, like you said, those shippers are out there buying produce, however one buys produce out in the fields. 
um, and then making sure they get it to the grocery store and you're just moving it around. So that way that shipper doesn't have to worry about it. But, but when I'm first looking at some of these partnerships, what am I looking for? Like, what do I know is going to be like, ooh, this is the hallmark of a good partner. And this is someone that I should continue to maybe explore working with. Or this is someone that's an immediate red flag, run away. So what are some of those green flags and red flags you'll see um, in some of those partners? I think if I'm a shipper, I'm looking for a 3PO partner. You know, the, the number one question I'm going to ask is how do you procure your carrier? Um, is there a monitoring service that you're using? Are you, are you monitoring their insurance? Are you monitoring their safety records? Are you monitoring their DOT logs? Things of that nature. Um, a, a good 3PO will be paying for that monitoring service. There's a few of them out there. Um, some are better than others, uh, but that's an important facet. I, I, I know a large 3PL in our region that does not use a monitoring service. They just got hit with a multi-million dollar claim because of, right? So we've had one accident, knock on wood, and in our company's history, um, our insurance company came back. We, we supported our customer. We supported the carrier. Um, and our insurance company came back and said, you guys did everything right. You could have done it any, any cleaner. And I think that's very important because when you're, you've got 80,000 pounds of steel rolling down the road, somebody's going to be responsible if there's an accident. So I think the most important thing is that safety net to make sure that your, your 3PL is really monitoring and vetting the carriers that they're using on a daily basis. Um, if I'm a carrier and I'm working with a 3PL, I want to make sure the finances are strong. I want to make sure that the ratings are strong. Um, over my years in the broker space, the, some brokers have gotten a bad rap for not paying carriers over, you know, detention pay and not paying carriers, lumper fees and things of that nature. So just do a good vetting process. If, if you see any bad reports in that broker, you know, call them out on it, ask them questions about it. Sometimes it, it could be a misunderstanding, but sometimes usually where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, so you want to make sure you're, you're working with a reputable broker that's going to pay their bills. It's going to take care of you if there is detention needed. Um, and then look at your contracts. You know, that's the biggest thing. You know, when we've got carrier contracts, we've got rate confirmations. Sometimes doesn't read it. Sometimes the carrier just doesn't read it. And, and then, they, then they've got issues after the fact. Um, some of our shippers have different needs. So our requirements are be a little bit different on specific loads. And our brokers do a really good job of explaining that to the carrier prior to booking them on a shipment. But I, you know, if I'm a carrier, I would just say, take the time, read your carrier contract. If you have any questions, vet those out before, before contracting with a broker, um, because you can head off any issues or concerns typically just through a simple conversation. But you know, I think the carrier procurement side and, and making sure the carrier to be a monitor and then on the carrier side, just making sure you're going to be supported by that broker and that 3PL. And that you're an extension of their team because that's that's what a good 3PL is going to do. They're not just going to book you on a shipment and then kick you to the curb. They're going to want to keep working with you and they want to help help you grow your business. And, and that's what we try to do with most of our career partners. I like one of the things that you touched on, which was the um, just ask just ask them about it. If you see if you see a, a report, if you see something, just ask. And if they get squirrely about it, then that's that's a no for me, dog. If if a good one will say. I go to all say, no, here's everything. Here's all of our supporting documentation about it. Like, oh, this was an incident. Like, here's where it was just a misunderstanding. Or, yeah, no, that actually did happen. Here's how we addressed it. Here's how we've resolved this problem moving forward so it doesn't happen again. Um, so I 
find that people are more willing to share that stuff versus um, if they're Shaney McShaderson, they're going to be like, well, why do you need to know? What? Like, just trust us. We got this. They're going to dance around it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's uh, that's not a dance that I want to do. You know? Us neither. So um, we are running a little low on time, but there are two questions that I have for you. And the first one is, um, so one of the things that you guys are really great at is that you mentioned before that flexibility. So how do you guys kind of manage the big swing? So for example, in 2020, we saw the skyrocketing of consumer demand. And then, you know, now we're kind of at the lowest to the lows. How do you guys handle those fluctuations um, in regards to your customers and make sure that their products are still protected, even on the wild swings? A hundred percent. Yeah, obviously, 2020 was beyond interesting with COVID and, and the massive fluctuations that we saw that year. Um, you know, I think in the end for us, it's just simply riding that roller coaster, right? This industry is a roller coaster and supply chain in general is going to be a roller coaster. I've seen a lot of ups and downs. And communicate with our shippers, communicate with our carriers. We try to stay a quarter or two ahead of those waves. So, so we saw, you know, going into last year that the Dow charter was going to hit uh, midway through the year and it did. And we're still on that down cycle. Um, you know, typically in a down cycle, a good 3PL is just going to make less. It's We're working harder to, and we're going to make a little bit less this year. It's just that simple. Um, we don't want to take that revenue away from our carriers in the down cycle. We want to give them back as much as we possibly can um, while, while keeping our lights on and then being you know, somewhat profitable. But in a downturn like this, the goal is just to keep your, your core carriers, your, your main guys rolling as, as much as possible so they can survive it. Um, you're going to see a lot of carriers going out of business over the next 12 to 18 months. That's the sad fact of it all because there's just not enough tonnage out there to keep the wheels moving. Um, so we're scratching and clawing every single day for every shipment we can get. Um, the beauty of, of what we did for our customers in 2020 and 2021 is getting us through this downturn because we stuck with them. We got them through it. We, we were able to ramp up our, our asset partners to get, get that surge taken care of for our, for our, our biggest shippers. And now that things are slow, you know, they're a true partner with us because they know that they could hand off to somebody else um, and, and probably shop us out a little bit more than they are, but they know that we were there for them. And now in this downturn, they're, they're really sticking with us. Most of our, our top tier shippers have, have really allowed us to grow our market share with them um, over this, over this little blip because the upswing is only 12 to 18 months away. Even though we're on the downturn, it's, they know it's coming back up at some point in time. So it's just a collaborative approach with our carriers, a collaborative approach with our shippers to make sure that we're all in this together. And, and we want to, we wanted them to survive when things were really rough on the shipper side and they were getting beat up and we didn't price gouge. We didn't, we didn't go after, you know, things that weren't necessary. We did our best just to get them through it at the best possible rate. You know, we, we had to beat up our carriers a little bit because some of them got a little greedy, which I don't blame them because times like now they're getting beat up themselves. So the ones that try to take a little too much probably aren't getting the same amount of freight from us as, as the ones that were fair, right? Right now. So we just want to be fair with everybody in, a, in an upturn or a downturn and just communicate with our carriers and shippers to let everybody know where, where we think the markets are going to be and where they're headed and 
you know, do our best to, to help both sides of the, of the, to get through it. I like that. It comes back to that transparency, that communication of like, hey, you know, we're here for the good times. We're here for the bad times. Like we're not trying to pull one over on you. It's just this is a matter of fact, because, you know, if we do bring these carriers down below where it's profitable for them, they're not going to be here, which means you're not going to have anyone to reliably move your freight. And it goes back to those core values, right? Relationships, teamwork, you know, working together. And, and it's just part of who we are. And that those are the shippers we're looking for. And those are the carrier partners we're looking for as well. Yeah, absolutely love that. Uh, relationships is like, should be like the theme of 2023 is just. Really should. It's all about relationships. Yes, 100%. So that we are now to our final question. And we already know where you stand on cereal is soup. So now we have to really get into the meat of it. As you could have any animal as your personal assistant, what would you choose? Oh, it has to be a dog. You know, it's man's best friend, right? So somebody that's going to be there to, to lift you up when you're having a down day and somebody that's that's going to be excited to see you and, and, and keep you motivated to go. And um, I've been lucky enough to have, we've had four dogs in our, in our lifetime and they've all been fantastic. So right now we have two, a, a little Boston Terrier and a little COVID puppy. Um, was the most the dog's a trainer act but she's cute as can be so oh those covid puppies like covid babies are built different <laughs> just so spoiled for for two years while we were locked out almost that yeah she can't survive without human attention 24 7 yeah you'll have that it's fine though it's she's cute so it's gonna be worth it yeah all right so if anyone if anyone wants to reach out to you outside of this show where can they find you uh, you can find us at www.sflcompanies.com. That's our website. And if anybody wanted to reach out to me directly, my email is Royce at sflcompanies.com. I'm here to answer any questions or, or just talk. Colche. I love it. And, uh, or if you have questions about, you know, how, how to find a produce shipper, just slide into Royce's DMs. He said they're open. So. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. You can catch other episodes of Running on Ice right here on Freightwaves TV, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Need more Running on Ice news? News what? Subscribe to the newsletter on freightwaves.com slash running on ice. See you on the internet.